70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of Global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world. Владимир Гуценко, Луховицы, Россия. Я украинец, проживающий 30 лет в России. Впервые принял вашу Hello, my name is Vladimir Kuchenko, and I've been living in Russia for 35 years. I started listening to KBS World Radio in 1982. Back then, I couldn't get a response to my reception reports because it was impossible for the Soviet Union to exchange mail with certain countries. But after about 10 years, things changed and my letters were finally read on KBS World Radio's Russian service programs. Thanks to KBS World Radio, I got to know more about Korea and fell in love with the country. I hope to stay in touch via radio for many, many years to come. Seventy years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are. Hello, it's Tuesday, the 3rd of January, and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon jang Washington has stressed that they're looking at enhanced joint efforts with Seoul to counter threats from North Korea, but said that joint nuclear exercises are not on the table. We'll have the latest on news briefing shortly. Seoul recently announced it would invest almost 100 billion won to develop quantum technology involving quantum computers. We'll discuss what the future holds for this technology for our in-net today. And coming up for Touch Base in Seoul, we catch up with a pair of ice dancers continuing to break new ground in the sport for Team Korea. Let's begin Korea 24. South Korea's top office reasserted that Seoul and Washington are discussing ways to jointly plan and implement exercises involving U.S. nuclear assets. This is, of course, part of measures to respond to North Korea's nuclear threats. But Washington has said it won't be, quote-unquote, joint nuclear exercises. For more on this story and other headlines from today, I'm joined in the studio by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Che. Daniel, hello. Hey, jang Good to be here with you again. So while South Korea and the United States seek to avoid using that term joint nuclear exercises, the two sides are reportedly reviewing ways to develop possible joint scenarios in countering North Korean threats. So can you tell us more? So when asked simply if the allies are discussing joint nuclear exercises, President Joe Biden said no. While some officials from his administration noted Washington is looking at enhanced joint efforts with Seoul to counter threats from North Korea, uh, but as it will be difficult to carry out a nuclear exercise with a non-nuclear state, the Allies are considering enhanced information sharing, expanded contingencies, and an eventual tabletop exercise, meaning exploring various war scenarios there. President Yoon's chief press secretary explained Biden had to respond with no. The term is commonly used for drills involving nuclear weapon states. South Korea is not. She said the two sides are in talks over information sharing, a joint planning and implementation in relation to the operation of U.S. nuclear assets. South Korea and the U.S. have previously conducted the so-called snow drills, short for 
support of nuclear operations with conventional air tactics that involve South Korean fighter jets escorting a U.S. B-52 strategic bomber dropping a mock warhead on a target. Early in the week, President Yoon Sung-yeol told a local daily the Allies are discussing ideas related to joint planning and implementation of exercises vis-a-vis U.S. nuclear assets. Yes, we'll see if there's more talk of South Korea-U.S. exercises in the coming days. Meanwhile, let's turn to some other headlines now. The government has decided to lift real estate regulations for all areas except four districts in Seoul. This is part of a move to prevent a hard landing in the real estate market. Uh, Can you tell us more about the developments? Well, the regulations designed to discourage speculative transactions will remain in place only in four districts, Seocho, Gangnam, Songpa and Yongsan, all in Seoul. The move comes 54 days after the restrictions were lifted in all areas except Seoul and four areas in Gyeonggi province in November. The government also removed a pre-sale price cap on privately built homes for all areas except for those four districts in the capital. They will also abolish the rule requiring home buyers to reside from two to five years in the houses subject to the price cap system in the capital region. The land ministry made the announcement on Tuesday during a policy briefing to the president at Chongwade, the former presidential office. The finance ministry also removed 11 districts in Seoul from the list of speculative zones except for the four districts. The goal is to help ease regulations in the overall process of home transactions in terms of tax, loans and sales. The deregulations take effect from Thursday. And even before that policy briefing, President Yoon Sung-yeol highlighted the need to ease demand-side regulations in the real estate market in a drastic and speedy manner. Can you share the details on that as well? Yes, this was before being briefed by the two ministries, Land and the Environment. The South Korean leader asked them to focus on people's livelihoods instead of regulations and work based on science and expertise. He brought up how the past government dealt with related matters as issues of politics and ideology, and under such an approach, housing prices soared during that period. Yun stressed the land ministry's real estate policy should avoid excessive regulations so that prices rise and fall predictably. He called on officials to ease demand-side regulations drastically, keeping in mind rising interest rates. To the Environment Ministry, the president wanted them to seek deregulation in industrialized select areas, as he instructed a swift establishment of a smart water management system to cope with droughts and flooding utilizing AI. He wants the ministry to ensure the water management system and a research system function properly within this year. Staying with the real estate issue here in the nation, the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transport plans to supply one million homes over the next five years. So some long-awaited welcome news, but how will they deliver on that promise? Well, during the policy briefing, the ministry vowed to supply 500,000 public homes and another 500,000 units in public rental housing during the unit administration's term. The total figure marks a rise of 29% from 776,000 homes supplied under the previous government. Of the 500,000 public homes, 340,000 will be supplied to young people, 160,000 will be allocated for seniors. The ministry and the nation's housing developer, LH, plan to supply 7,000 homes in Seoul this year. Moving on, one of the biggest traditional national holidays is coming up this month. This is when families do some major shopping for the festivities as well. So naturally, a hot discussion topic for government officials are ways to ease burden on consumers. That's right. The ruling bloc and the government discuss ways to stabilize prices ahead of the Lunar New Year holiday, which runs from January 21st. The two sides agreed on providing a record supply of sought-after 
holiday items and reduce the public's grocery bills by providing coupons. And retailers will offer discounts of up to 50% on high-demand items. Lawmakers will review providing discounts on utility bills. Options include expanding vouchers to help the vulnerable to cover heating expenses during the winter. Exempting highway tolls and parking fees, that's been something that's been expected. We've been growing accustomed to such uh, discounts and special offers for the four-day holiday. The finalized plans will be announced on Wednesday. Meanwhile, the government is seeking to expand tax incentives on strategic industries. This includes semiconductors, a move deemed necessary in response to technological hegemony and supply chain issues. Well, finance chief Chu Gyeong-ho detailed the plan during Tuesday's cabinet meeting. The incentives are aimed at reviving corporate investment sentiment and securing global competitiveness of strategic industries. The government will push to further raise the tax credit rate for conglomerates' facility investment in the semiconductor vaccine and secondary battery industries to 15% from the current 8. For SMEs, it will be raised from 16 to 25%, an additional 10% tax credit on the on-year increase in investment. Let's take a look at the COVID-19 situation now, because Korea has joined many other countries around the world in taking precautionary measures against a possible influx of COVID-19 cases from China. On day one of such heightened rules, we had 61 coronavirus positive arrivals from that country. Well, the KDC reports on Monday slightly over 1,000 travelers arrived in Incheon from China, 309 planning a short-term stay of up to 90 days, among them 61 tested positive for COVID. Those who test positive are required to undergo a seven-day quarantine at a state facility. The figure could further rise as Korean nationals or foreigners with residency visas are permitted to enter and get tested at a local facility. And amid this situation, heightened quarantine rules for travellers entering South Korea from China will be, extan- will be expanded to arrivals from Hong Kong and Macau as well. Well, people departing from these areas will be required to take a PCR or rapid antigen test within 48 hours prior to departure. They must upload negative test results to Seoul's Q-code quarantine data system before boarding. Travellers with symptoms upon arrival must take a PCR test at the airport and undergo quarantine at a state facility if found positive. Decisions are made due to rising COVID cases and related deaths in Hong Kong. We'll wrap up our news briefing there. Daniel, thank you for those updates today. Thank you so much for having me. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. In a recent policy plan for 2023, South Korea's Ministry of Science and ICT said it will seek to foster core technologies with a focus on quantum technology, advanced biology, the metaverse, among others, to get a head start on future industries. More specifically on quantum technology, it said it would invest 98.4 billion won to develop quantum computers, internet and simulators. To learn more about quantum computing and the potential they hold for the future, we're joined on the line now by Professor Chet Taeyang from the Department of Physics at Ihua Women's University as we continue our special in-depth news analysis series this week, looking ahead to 2023 and beyond in various sectors. Professor Chet, hello and thank you for being on the show today. Oh, hello. Hi. Thank you for your invitation. 
Yes, so Professor, quantum computing is heralded as an up-and-coming technology that has the potential to revolutionise computing, and countries around the world and race to conquer this uh, new technology and build quantum computers. Uh, but first, can you tell us what uh, a quantum computer is uh, in layman's terms as best uh, as you can, please, because I know it can get very complicated. Uh, right, sure. Uh, well, uh, first of all, I, le- I need to talk about the, what quantum mechanics is. So the uh, math and physics of quantum mechanics are quite difficult to understand for even you know, physicists like me. Uh, but I could say uh, you, you could understand the core of quantum mechanics with knowing only two rules. And let me try with a simple example. Uh, let's say uh, there's a cup that I'm holding in my left hand and say this cup is very small like an atom. And when you uh, try to look at the cup, say you shine the light to the cup, the cup can be kicked out of its current position due to the interaction with the light. So you cannot tell the exact location of the cup anymore. And this could imply that the cup can be in your uh, right hand as well uh, with a certain probability. So the uh, cup can be both in my left and right hand at the same time, which is like a wave. So this is uh, rule number one. And Rule number two is that the rule number one works if you don't measure or do not interact with the cup. So if you don't look at the cup, the cup can be a fuzzy and weird uh, superposition state. But if you look at the cup, the cup can pop up in your left or right hand immediately. So the quantum computer uses these two rules and, uh, for example, quantum uh, superposition and quantum entanglement to compute uh, certain tasks much faster than any conventional computers. Right. Okay. So uh, essentially, uh, if you're not looking at it, it can be anywhere, everywhere, all at once, essentially. But if you are looking at it, it will uh, be somewhere. Uh, We don't know exactly where I think you're saying. So then uh, with that in mind, if I've got it right, what are... Uh, sorry, how are quantum computers different from regular computers then? All right, uh, that's a good question. So there are two uh, big differences between uh, the quantum computer and conventional computer. The first difference is that the form of the information, and second one is uh, how to compute the information. For example, the conventional computer uses 0 and 1 binary number as a unit for uh, digital information, which mm. represents on and off state. On the other hand, the quantum computer uses a quantum bit called qubit, and as I mentioned earlier, you could have a situation that the cup can be both in your left and right hand, uh, which we call a quantum uh, superposition state. So imagine you have two cups, two quantum bits, for example. Then you could have a situation where two cups are in both a left and a left to right and right left and both right hand at the same time. So this means that you can prepare all possible input states at once. Uh, if we compare with the conventional computer, that conventional computer needs to prepare each input state uh, one by one. On the other hand, quantum computer can already prepare all possible input states at once. And the, another difference is how to compute things. For a conventional computer, the CPU in the computer calculates things in series, meaning that CPU takes only two inputs and gets the results out and repeat this process over and over. Mm. So one of the technological developments have been focused on how to uh, make the CPU even faster and faster. But uh, the quantum computer is completely different, and the quantum computer calculates things in parallel, not in series. So as I mentioned before, all possible states are already well prepared, and those states can be computed uh, simultaneously. So when you have uh, only dozens of qubits, the conventional computer can be still uh, even uh, faster. But uh, when you have more than thousands of qubits, you can see massive parallel computation, which can be very beneficial. 
And also, there are a few algorithms that only quantum computer can solve. So nowadays, quantum computing companies such as Google, IBM, IonQ, competitively announced that they have more qubits. So the quantum computer can prepare all input states at once and compute things in parallel. By doing so, quantum computer can solve intractable or impossible problems. Right, okay. I don't think I've got all of that, uh, but uh, uh, basically computers and quantum computers, they are very different. The uh, analogy I've heard is that uh, one is like a bicycle and the other is like a car. They both do similar things, as in one gets you to the uh, from one place to another, but it, they're completely different uh, technologies, essentially. Uh, computers use bits, and you said uh, quantum computers use qubits, which are uh, far more powerful, essentially. And as you said at the end, currently companies are competing to say who uh, has developed uh, computers uh, with more qubits. So it's a race to get more qubits, essentially. Uh, you talked about the mechanics of quantum uh, mechanics, but then uh, how do the actual computers work exactly? Because uh, they're quite different in the way uh, compared to con conventional computers, right? Right, that's right. So uh, there are two uh, crucial ingredients to uh, build a quantum computer. First one is uh, you have to have a qubit, and second one is uh, you need the hardware and software to control the qubits. So there are uh, several uh, physical platforms uh, to make a quantum computer, but uh, we have uh, uh, two leading architectures toward this goal. One is uh, a superconducting circuit, which IBM Google is working on, and another one is a trapdine system, which is IonQ is working on. And let's uh, start with the uh, superconducting circuit. So under very low temperature, below minus 270 Celsius, which is really, really cold, mm. and you know, you flow, uh, when you flow uh, electric current through certain materials at that low temperature, the current never decreases and keeps flowing forever. We call this as a, a superconductivity. So when you make a, a circuit or loop using uh, superconducting materials, then the current flows around the loop forever. It's like a behavior like an electrons rotating around the nucleus, like an artificial atom. So we create atom artificially. And then we can, uh, you can basically add a resistor, capacitor, and inductor into the circuit. And afterwards, you apply microwave radio signal to control a superconducting current. And you can manufacture a chip having many of those loops and, and put this chip into a very cold refrigerator. And this is how a, a quantum computer works in a superconducting platform. And another, uh, 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 one of the leading architecture is a trapdine system. And the trapdine system literally uses atom by itself. So we can trap individual atoms in space. And, and so atoms are levitated under a vacuum chamber. And we use lasers and microwave uh, radio signals to control the quantum states of atoms. And we measure uh, the quantum states at the end of the computation and repeat this process over and over to get the probabilities of mm. the quantum algorithms. So. The physical, uh, physical platform uh, form of the qubits and the way of controlling them between two platforms are quite different, but the uh, main physics and concepts are very similar. So uh, for this moment, compared to conventional computer, the quantum computer has a big refrigerator, a vacuum chamber, lasers, and microwave source generators, and so on. So it is quite big in size compared to conventional computer. Right, so it needs a refrigerator, lasers, microwave source. Uh, so uh, it means uh, we probably won't be having a quantum computer in our pockets uh, anytime soon like we do right. with uh, mobile phones at the moment. Uh, so with that in mind then, thank you for walking us through that first, although I'm not sure uh, you know, how much we've got all that. But in more practical terms then, how will quantum computers transform our lives then in the future? How could it impact our lives? 
All right, uh, that's a good question. So for now, we still need more qubits, and also we need to develop physics and technology to control those many qubits uh, in a better way. Uh, so as far as I know, cur currently the quantum computing platforms are on the test phase or running several algorithms operatable with uh, only dozens of qubits. But uh, as number of qubits increases, I can see that the impact in academia and industry in the field of physics, chemistry, material science, and life science and economy and so on will be huge and tremendous because, you know, the quantum computers uh, start off all possible input states and compute things at the same time. So the quantum computer can handle optimization of things out of many variables like a stock market. So let's say we have uh, many variables like currency and previous stock information and the question is how can we optimize the value of a market simply where we need to invest money to, right? So. <laughs> mm. Also, uh, how can we uh, make a new materials with uh, better functionalities? The material is made of uh, simply atoms and collection of atoms and their interactions determine the properties of materials. So atoms and their interactions are variables and how can we efficiently optimize using a quantum computer, right? And then another, the, one of the most important aspects of use of quantum computer is uh, security. So as I mentioned earlier, the quantum properties change when you measure. This means that if somebody uh, intercept or spy the information, then information arrived becomes different than before, so that the wiretapping is intrinsically impossible. So right. as you see, if there is a quantum computer with many qubits and good control on them, the impact will be tremendous in science, industry, economy, and also national security. But again, to do so, we need more qubits with better control, so we still need work to do. Right, so the potential of the technology is very wide-ranging, but there still needs to be advancements in the technology. We need uh, more qubits with better control, as you said. Uh, right. Which countries are the most advanced on that front, then, in terms of quantum computing at the moment? So in, in the near 2000, United States and, and Europe have uh, initiated the quantum research. And at that time, the quantum computing experiments were just performed in individual lab level, uh, not, the, not the, the government level. And even many physicists at the time thought that the quantum computing may not be possible. But a better understanding, uh, after like for 20 years of a study, a better understanding of uh, quantum systems along with the technological development bring the quantum computing could be possible. So in my opinion, based on the research uh, experience and funding investment, maturity of the research, I think uh, USA is the, uh, currently leading uh, the quantum computing field in the both superconducting and trapped ion system. And of course, China has been investing many research fundings and recruiting young quantum researchers, and they are leading in the field of quantum communication. And in Europe, uh, recently they select uh, six sites for hosting the quantum computing researches and also uh, has been increasing the research fundings as well. What about South Korea? How far has South Korea come with regard to quantum computing? All right. Uh, well, in South Korea, the quantum computing experiments have uh, started quite recently, and Korean government uh, have paid attention to importance of quantum computing. And starting from 2018, the Korean National Research Foundation has uh, launched a funding specifically focused on quantum computing. And since then, there have been many funding opportunities, such as uh, developing quantum computing technology, universal quantum computing platform development, quantum technology education, and international collaboration for quantum computing and so on. So 
definitely we have a common ground and agreement that we need to develop quantum computing and related industries. And as I mentioned, uh, we have just started and many research activities are ongoing. So as far as I know, we could have uh, a quantum system having dozens of operable qubits in a couple of years. And you know, compared to U.S., they've succeeded uh, making 10 qubit quantum system in 2018. So we are not that far away, um, and you know the current students are catching up really uh, fast and well. And also, many young researchers and faculties are setting up their labs in Korea right now. So, I think overall those activities will bring quantum technology into current industries and academia, and hopefully we can be prepared from uh, new technologies and create a more related future jobs. Right. So, Korea started recently, but we are already showing promise. Then, uh, what? can and should South Korea do then to catch up uh, with the global frontrunners at the moment? So when you look into size of uh, research funding, investment, and number of researchers in quantum computing, it is not that easy to be a global frontrunner uh, in near term. Uh, but uh, this field is really important, and so we have to continue support and uh, relevant researches as well. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, there are many physical platforms for quantum computing, and it may be practical to select specific platforms for quantum computing and concentrate the efforts to those platforms. And also, educating students uh, will be also very important to develop quantum computing in Korea. And also, we could dispatch those educated students to abroad and perform international collaboration with advanced countries. And I think those activities will help us to be a global front uh, runners in future. Yes, well, it certainly sounds exciting, and uh, it sounds like there's a certainly potential for Korea uh, to uh, be a major player in this field as well. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there. We've been speaking to Professor Che Taeyong from Iwa Women's University. We appreciate your time today and for walking us through this a very complex uh, uh, system, uh, complex uh, ideas. Right. All right. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index fell 6.99 points, or 0.31% on Tuesday, closing the day at 2,218.68. The tech-heavy Kosdaq rose 3.44 points, or 0.51%, to close the day at 674.95. On the foreign exchange, the local currency strengthened 1.61 against the dollar, ending the day at 1,271.1. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. It's time now for Korea Trending, our daily segment where we take a look at some of the other news headlines that have been trending online in Korea. And to bring us those stories, back with us today is a contributor, Diane Yu. Diane, hello. I hope you doing well. Hello, Jango. It's good to see you. Yes, uh, it's good to see you too. So what stories do you have for us today? First, we'll take a look at how a pedestrian overpass collapsed in Seoul. Next, we'll talk about an alarming increase in the number of accidents related to logging in Gangwon province. And we'll end today's segment with shocking news from South Korea's professional volleyball scene, where a coach was let go without any prior notice. Okay, let's look at that first story then. You said a pedestrian overpass has collapsed. Mm -hmm. An overpass near Seoul's Sindorim station, which has been open for about six and a half years, collapsed in the early hours of Tuesday. The shape of the bridge sung to resemble the letter U. 
According to Yeongdeungpo office and the police, at around 1.40 a.m., the Dorim footbridge collapsed and the overpass and the bicycle roads and trails located underneath the bridge were completely closed. The police received a report that there was something wrong with the bridge at around 1 a.m. and were dispatched to the scene to control the two-way entrance of the overpass and the Dorim river path. 11 fire trucks, 11 fire trucks and 45 firefighters were also mobilized for the on-site response. Okay, so when we say it collapsed, we don't actually mean that it was destroyed into rubble. Uh, as you said, it has kind of sunk mm-hmm. into a curved U-shape. Originally, right. it was curved upwards, but now it right. has sunk down. Exactly. It's still standing in one piece mm-hmm. somehow, though. Uh, do we have any information on why it collapsed? Well, they don't know the exact cause yet. The Torim Overpass is a pedestrian bridge that connects Toringdong and Shindorim Station on subways lines 1 and 2. It's an arch shape and was made by weaving steel materials into triangles. Construction began in April 2015 with a total project cost of 2.8 billion won, which is about 2.2 million and it opened in May 2016. The Yeongdeungpo office and the Seoul Metropolitan Government plan to find out the exact cause through a further detailed investigation. An official from the Yeongdeungpo office said, quote, for the safety of residents, we will thoroughly control access to the Dorim overpass and quickly identify the cause so that safety maintenance can be carried out, end quote. Was anyone hurt in the collapse? Fortunately, no casualties were reported. This could be down to the fact that the bridge collapsed in the early hours of the morning when the subway station was closed. Currently, the Yeongdeungpo office has installed a fence and deployed on-site personnel to manage the overpass for safety. The Seoul Metropolitan Government sent an emergency alert announcing traffic restrictions around 6 a.m. and asked citizens to take a detour. Here, taking a detour will add about 180 meters or two minutes to the journey by foot. Okay, so it's not too much of an inconvenience for pedestrians, but it is... uh... Very fortunate that it happened overnight and Mm -hmm. that no one was hurt. Uh, It could have been a far more serious incident indeed. Let's move on to the second story that you have prepared for us. The number of accidents resulting in death or injury by falling trees while logging to save firewood in the winter season is increasing. According to the police and fire authorities, two people in their 50s were found dead last week on a mountain in Gangwon province. Let me give you a bit more information about those accidents. Mm. Uh, on December 26th, a man was found dead on a mountain in Dongye City. And prior to this tragic accident, on the same day, another person was found dead on a mountain in Hongcheon County. The authorities believe they died by getting crushed by a tree while logging alone for firewood. That is a very tragic to hear. Logging has long been known as one of the most dangerous occupations in the world. Mm-hmm. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, in fact, it is considered the most dangerous job in America. But why is the number on the rise here? Well, that's because the use of firewood fueled boilers is increasing in rural regions. A total of 86 accidents occurred at logging sites in Gangwon province over the past three years from 2020, with five people dead and 36 seriously injured. All five deaths occurred last year. Most of the accidents took place in the cold winter season between November, when firewood is mainly used, and February of the following year. It was also found that most of the accidents occurred as the person did not wear safety equipment or was cutting down the trees alone. 
Right, so it wasn't professionals, it seems, and it's no. been especially cold winter this year so far. So I'm sure the demand for firewood has been high. Right. What steps do authorities recommend people take when it comes to getting firewood? The fire department urges you to refrain from logging unless you have sufficient professional knowledge or experience. Kim Gunte, head of the rescue team at the provincial fire department, said, quote, "Because logging operations carry the risk of serious injury from being crushed by trees or cut by equipment, it must be carried out with partners or as a group." End quote. The Korea Forest Service also recommended prior consultation on logging plans, saying that even if it's your own property, you may have to report log. Demanding, uh, depending on the species and the quantity of trees to be harvested. Yes, whether in Korea or elsewhere, please refrain from cutting down firewood yourself unless right. you really know what you're doing. And if you do, uh, make sure you wear appropriate safety gear mm-hmm. and try not to do it alone. Yes. OK, let's end our segment with news from the sports world, Diane. The South Korean women's professional volleyball team, Incheon Hyunguk Life Pink Spiders, suddenly parted ways with its coach, Kwon Soon-chan, and general manager, Kim Yo-il. According to a statement released yesterday by the team's owner, Im Hyung-jun, Im had no choice but to part ways with coach Kwon along with manager Kim because their direction was not suitable for the club. He went on to say, quote, I'm sorry for causing concern to the fans, and I'm grateful to coach Kwon who has led the team so far, end quote. Accordingly, the club has appointed its senior assistant coach, Lee Young-soo, as acting manager, and Kwon will take on an advisor role. This has come as quite a surprise to fans and those involved in the club, right? Especially for Coach Kwan, as there were no prior discussions or notices about the decision. The coach received the notice from the club yesterday morning, immediately packed his things, and left the team without knowing the exact reason why he was let go. The team players were shocked by the news as well, definitely not happy. Veteran players of the team, including Kim Young-kyung, said they will meet with the club and even consider boycotting games. According to a volleyball official, Coach Kwan is known to have been under pressure from high-ranking officials over the issue of player recruitment. In fact, Coach Kwan said in an interview with KBS, uh, saying, quote, there was an order from the general manager to put someone in the roster, but I didn't comply with that, end quote. Wow. So the removal of uh, Kwan and Kim from their positions has also thrown cold water on the team as the Pink Spiders have performed outstandingly this season so far. Exactly. Right. right. The coach Kwan took the baton in April of last year and the team, which finished in sixth place in the Women's V League last season, is currently second and only three points away from the top. The club is also seeing the biggest crowds out of all the teams in the league thanks to the return of the star player Kim Young-kyung. So with half of the season left, the Pink Spiders will now have to deal with the troubled team atmosphere and the disappointed volleyball fans. Yes, it's been a tumultuous couple of years for women's volleyball in Korea. There was another coaching controversy last season with the Hwasong IBK Altos. And of course, there was the school bullying controversy mm-hmm. with the twin sisters, Lee right. Jae-young and Lee Tae-young, the season before that as well. But it seems uh, like this is another unfortunate incident to add to this list. Yes. OK, we'll wrap it up there for today's Korea Trending. Thank you for those stories and we'll see you next time. See you next time.
We've come now to Touch Base in Seoul, and today we have a pair of returning guests. We first connected with these two young figure skaters a little over a year ago now, in October 2021. Uh, they were in their first junior season and had won their first medal at an ISU Junior Grand Prix event. It was, in fact, South Korea's first ever ISU Grand Prix medal in ice dancing. Now, a little over a year later, they've won more medals, including gold, and an ISU Grand Prix final silver medal as well, which are, of course, all firsts in Team Korea's ice dance history. To tell us more about how they've been getting on, I'm delighted to welcome back Hannah Im and Ye Kwon. They join us via video once again. Hello, it's uh, great to have you back on the show again. Hi, it's, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thank you for having us. Well, first, congratulations on the uh, ISU Junior Grand Prix final silver medal. You've had a successful season, uh, including winning gold at the Junior Grand Prix in Courcheval, France, and a silver medal at the Junior Grand Prix in Egna, Italy. Uh, Hannah, start us off. What was it like to qualify for that final event and then win a silver medal as well? Well, like going into this year and the Grand Prix season, it was our goal to make it to the final. So I wouldn't say we were like surprised, but we were really happy that we were able to achieve that goal and able to go out and be like the first Asian country or Korean country to represent um, in the final. Sure. And as you said, not only the first Korean team, the first uh, Asian team to qualify for the Grand Prix final. Uh, was there any extra pressure when competing, uh, Hannah? How did it feel? Um, our, we didn't really think about being the first Asian or first Korean. Like, yes, we did, did think about it. But when we were training and competing, it wasn't in our minds at all. And we were just thinking of performing and having fun while skating and um, all the corrections that we had during training sessions. Sure. You said uh, you expected that goal was to uh, reach the final, but winning silver, that must have been special though, Hannah. Yeah, it was, it was really special for us because we, like, our initial thought going into the final was, oh, we, like, made it here. And our coach was saying, this is, like, a prize like for to show your work throughout the Grand Prix season. And we were thinking that. And then when we got the result and the medal, we were really happy about that because um, it was like a reward. Sure. And Ye, how did you find the experience? Uh, were you nervous at all? Uh, how, was, how was it dealing with the pressure of uh, going into that final? Um, for sure, I was a little bit stressed, uh, like, like every, uh, every competition. Um, but like Hannah said, we made it to the finals. We were pretty proud to be there uh, to represent Korea in the finals. And uh, we just, the, the goal was to do our best and really have fun and gain from uh, what we could learn uh, from the experience. So it was, a, it was really great. Right. Talking about having fun, uh, in the 2021-22 season, you caught a lot of people's attention because you performed to Gangnam Style uh, by Sai, which we talked about uh, in your previous interview. You also danced to Don't by Loco for your uh, rhythm dance segment and also to selections from the Cats musicals uh, for the free dance portion. But uh, 
This season, I understand that you went for a more classical approach. Yay, can you uh, tell us about the songs you performed to this year and how was it decided? Why did you decide to go down this route? Um, for the for the free dance, we chose the Danse Macabre because we were inspired by Yuna Kim uh, from Korea also. she And uh, we really liked what she performed. So we wanted to uh, try to dance on that music. And... Um, we really want to choose like a, a more mature uh, kind of uh, music this year also to prepare us to transition from um, our junior year to the senior year. And uh, same thing for the, the tango this year. Well, this year the tango was uh, the theme of the rhythm dance uh, and it was our choreographer that uh, chose the music for us. Mm. How different was it performing to the new music? Because uh, you talked about it on your uh, YouTube Q&A. You both say it was uh, different not playing characters, yay? Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite different because normally in the old programs uh, for Cats and uh, Gangnam Style, we had a specific character to play. So, for example, in Cats, I was like, we were like, obviously cats, but uh, we were like more like the, the main characters of the, sto- uh, of the story of the, of the Broadway. And Gangnam Style, well, I was Psy, and she was the, the other girl that was uh, with him. So we had pretty specific characters to play. Um, this year, like Danse Macabre, uh, about life and death, it's a more abstract, um, how to say, like a more abstract th- uh, theme. So we had to like go a bit more deeper in like how we felt about it. Um, how, how would you represent death and life and some stuff like that. The choreograph, uh, the choreographing coaches, theater coaches, ballet coaches really helped us to like kind of delve into that and like kind of find what works for us mm. or and uh, pretty much what works for us. Uh, the tango as well, it felt like we had to go more serious and uh, more intimate so it's uh, it was like uh, we we worked a lot with our ballroom teacher uh, to just like work on like how to represent this intimacy and the tango feeling of the dance. Hannah, how did you find the different style uh, that you tried to take on this uh, season? Um, yeah, like going off what Ye said, it was more of a mature concept this year, and um, for the free, it was he is life and I'm death. So um, it was at the beginning of the season, it was really difficult to try and see like, oh, what expression does death make? What is like she trying to say to life and things like that. So we had like a lot of help from um, our ballet teacher and our choreographers to help choose, like kind of make a story about like our characters kind of. So it's still a bit charactery, but less than last year. So it's easier for us to portray that expression. And um, in the tango, yeah, the ballroom teacher has helped us a lot with um, the tango feeling because she's very um, educated in that um, topic. So she helps us shape our body for a next Mm. line for tango and also um, with the expression and the arm styling. So it sounds like it might have been a challenge, but also a chance for you uh, both to develop as uh, dancers as well, Hannah. Yeah, we have learned from last year, it was more of like sharp lines and hip hoppy. This year, it's way more classical in the rhythm and the free. 
So we're slowly taking in the music and trying to move our bodies in a different way than before and connecting with each other on a way different level than last year. Sure. And yeah, do you feel uh, you've improved as uh, dancers as well? Uh, what aspects uh, do you feel like you've improved over the last year? Um, yes, I, I do feel like we, we improved a lot uh, compared to last year, um, especially like in the, in, the, in the way we dance and everything, because last year was always just uh, more external dancing. So we always project to the public, always just more connect with the public to, like, uh, to dance it out. But this year, it's a lot more like you have to be more intimate and more like mm. internalize it. So that was like a, a new aspect of dance that we, we learned a lot about this year. And yeah, it really feels like it helped us to improve more uh, in our performance. And Hannah, Ye talked about how uh, you were inspired by Kim Yuna for the choice of music as well. How much of an inspiration has Kim Yuna been uh, for your careers? Well... When I first started in freestyle, I was always looking up to her and watching her. I remember watching her at the 2010 Olympic and then the 2014. And like we, I was always so inspired by the way she performs. And mm. she like does have the jumps, but she just skates the whole program as one whole piece of art. And I really um, feel emotional watching her skate. And when I actually didn't know about the Dance Macabre program, so then our friend showed it to us and I really like the music, but her expression and the way she just moves on that music was amazing, especially in the footwork sequence. And we took her footwork sequence move, uh, piece of music and we put it for our choreo stuff sequence music. And I really was happy that we did that because I feel like we can move like her, but we can portray the music in our own way. But I still feel really happy about that sure she's such an iconic and talismanic figure and inspired uh, so many people and uh, clearly they've she's inspired uh, you both as well uh, hannah talking more about your personal lives as well you've been sharing uh, more about your life in recent months through your youtube channel which we briefly mentioned earlier uh, and you've developed quite a following you seem to work hard on it as well uh, you've been putting uh, subtitles to anything you say in english into korean and vice versa you've been uh, communicating actively with uh, the fans it seems what led you to begin your channel and how have you found the experience so far um i'd say what led me to begin my channel was i was at the, the grand prix in kusherville and um we were already there last year and i wanted to show all the fun things that we do at competition and how we get ready for competition, how much goes into um, what we do. And I wanted to show the fans this. So I started filming and when I, I always see vlogs on YouTube and, but I rarely see skating vlogs mm. or like sports athletes vlogs. So I wanted to try that. And then when I was putting it together and editing, it was really enjoyable because I could just look back on what I just did and, be proud of that, but also um, like kind of reminisce in the memory. Mm. So um, I started making a video and then I put it out and a lot of people enjoyed it and watched it. So since then I've gotten many recommendations on other types of videos to do. And from then I just keep going up. 
<laughs> well, I think the fans really appreciate you, as you said, uh, taking the fans behind the scenes to see how you guys prepare and uh, uh, what goes into uh, what you do. Meanwhile, yay, I believe you've been uh, studying Korean, uh, the Korean language and learning more about the culture. How has it been uh, for you on that front? Um, well, for now, I'm like, I can write and read slowly. Um, for sure, I'm not super fast yet. I'm still working on that. Um, but uh, for me, it's most the biggest challenge would be to mostly have a, a more of a discussion because I'm still having trouble to uh, remember the the meaning of the words I read or write. Mm. So uh, yeah, I have to put more uh, more efforts and time into uh, remembering the the meaning of words. Sure, I hope you're enjoying it, and I'm sure you'll uh, pick it up uh, quickly soon as well. Okay, uh, we're running out of time, so let me ask you uh, what you have planned for the year ahead of you now. I understand that after this season for the 2023-24 uh, season, you'll be com competing at the senior level because, yay, you'll be aging out. Is that right? Uh, are you nervous about that or excited? How do you feel? Um, a bit of both. Uh, I feel a bit nervous because it's a new territory. Seniors is like the the big guys out there, so <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's it's like big a lot bigger, and uh, it feels like unreal to go there next uh, in that level next year because you see all the senior level skaters at our at our uh, academy. That's just they're so good, and you want to you want to get there, but it really feels exciting to uh, move up to their to their category next year. I'm really looking forward to it. And Hannah, do you think you guys will be ready? Uh, yes, we'll be ready. <laughs> well, no one ever feels ready, ready, but I think we'll work super hard. And since we have those stars and icons with us like live, I think it'll be really motivating to try and work and be a senior like them. Well, I like that confidence and that attitude. Uh, we wish you luck for, firstly, the rest of this season and then that transition into the senior level next season as well. Uh, we'll have to wrap it up there. We've been talking to Ice Dancers, Hannah Im and Ye Kwan. It was a pleasure to have you back on the show again today. Thank you. Thank you, Thank so you very much, much for listening to us. I am pianist William Yoon. You are now listening to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. We close out our show with our usual daily segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some interesting features reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers, namely the Korea Times and the Korea Herald. And for that, our staff editor, Richard Larkin, joins us in the studio. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Hello. Good to see you, too. OK, let's start with the first article. What do you have for us? Well, we have some cool music news. Eguity's article in the Entertainment and Arts section of the Korea Times gives us more information about The Seasons, a new music show that will come out in February on KBS. Fans of Korean music, especially those who like hip-hop and R&B, will be very happy to know that the singer and producer, Jay Park, will be hosting the show. Oh, wow. OK, so a very popular figure in the R&B and hip hop scene, yes. as you said. This is not just a cool music news, but also uh, TV news as well, as this will True. be a TV <laughs> show. Can you tell us more about it? 
but KBS has called it a nighttime music talk show. There will be four seasons throughout the year with a different host for each season. So Jay Park will be hosting the first one. Mm. The article mentions that the singer will invite musicians from various genres to talk candidly and perform on the set. The first episode will be filmed on January 11th and the show is currently receiving applications for a potential audience. Yes, this is the first music talk show for the network in about six months, right? Yes, since Yuhi Hill's sketchbook, which ended last July after 13 years on the air. This came after the show's host was accused of plagiarizing Japanese composer Ryuchi Sakamoto. We actually reported about it on the mm. show before. I'm very excited to see what the new show will bring and what guests will appear. Yes, it'll be nice to see a new music show on KBS again, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of flavour uh, Jay Park brings to the proceedings as well, and also future hosts as well. Yes, especially with like, the hip-hop and R&B side of things, it might be something quite new and different to the previous uh, music talk show. Indeed. OK, let's move on to our next story. What do you have for us? Well, mandatory military service and exemption has been a to- topic last year, mm. with the most notable discussion being whether BTS should be exempt or not. So this article is a bit similar to this topic. According to Park Gaeyong's article in the culture section of the Korea Herald, South Korea's Military Manpower Administration has excluded six international competitions from the list of competitions that allow winners to be exempt from military service. Yes, those who supported BTS's army exemption, of course, said other musicians and sports people are given exemption for winning certain mm. competitions, but uh, they have perhaps less cultural impact than what BTS have been doing. Mm. Uh, so what competitions have been excluded now? Well, there are two for classical music and four for ballet. So let's start with the classical music competitions. They are the International Tchaikovsky Competition and the International Singing Competition of Toulouse. And for ballet, the International Ballet Competition in Moscow... Arabesque Russian Opera Ballet Competition, International Ballet Competition Varna and Prix de Lausanne have been excluded. OK, so why are they not included in the list anymore? Well, that's because they have either been excluded or suspended from the World Federation of International Music Competitions, the International Dance Council and the International Theatre Institute. These are all federations that the administration recognises. Mm. There is a mix of understanding and criticism from the music and dance world in South Korea, Kim Sun-hee, Dean of the School of Dance at Korea National University of the Arts, said that while it is good that the administration has some sort of standard, it is unfortunate that they have excluded some renowned competitions. Right, so it's not a change in the Korea's military policies per no. se, but because these competitions uh, no longer have international standing, they are being dropped. It's more of an update of yes. the list. But uh, as you said, questions will still be asked about whether other competitions, uh, whether it's fair to allow military exemptions to those competitions or not uh, for other competitions and feats. Yes. OK, we'll uh, wrap it up there for Morning Edition Preview. Thank you for those stories and we'll see you again next time. Thank you. And that's where we wrap up our show today. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back same time tomorrow. So we hope you can join us again then. I've been your host, Kwon jang And thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye.
KBS World Radio.